ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion, pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. Storm rolling in, apparently, so we had to get it covered up before the rain came. Mm. Yeah, I just looked north when I took the dogs out, and uh looks like it's coming back on us. We got snow last night pretty good. Oh, dang. Looks like it's rolling back in. Yep. Cool, man. Well, let me hit this record button on this one. Uh, more. We'll get a little, get a little there, too. Recording in progress. So we got some visual. We're just going to jump right in bro perfect who the heck am i talking to but <laughs> with my boy my little brother diego otero main beam addiction what's up bro it's been what two weeks since we were out on the mountain something like that yes sir two weeks two weeks and then you just got back from a from a hefty pack out too oh, oh yeah Tears in the eyes, all red faced in the pictures. I was like, look at dude, it, it hit him hard on that one. It was cold. <laughs> ah, you full of it. You're it so full of it. Go get E Dog so I could talk to him about the real scoop on that one. <laughs> it's all good if a few tears were shed, bro. That's all good. That was some uh some effort. You guys did what, like 30 miles in four or five days or something? Yep, we did 30, over 30 miles in five days. Oof. Working for it. Yes, sir. Heck yeah, first bull. Why don't you, uh, well, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's back up. We'll rewind. And let's do, because it's been a while since you and I have done a podcast. Yeah. It's been a while, while. I mean, what? Let's see. Did we have... Have we done one since our first one? I don't think so. Um, we did we did one at math with my parents. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last one was the one with everybody from DR Long Range. Dang. So our first one was four years ago. 
Yep. yep. That sounds about right. Right. Cause you were what? Nine. Yes, sir. I was yeah. nine. Yeah. That's yep. crazy. Huh? That man, what, how fast has that time gone by, dude? Just, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's been, blade. it was like snap of finger. Heck yeah. So, all right. So let's, for folks that may not know who you are, what main beam addiction is, um, Let's just give them a real quick synopsis. We can refer them to the old episodes and your pages and what like uh, whatnot later. But let's just give them a quick intro. I'll let you lead the show there, and then we'll just go down whatever rabbit hole we feel like going down after that. Perfect. Okay. So my name's Diego Otero. I'm. I just turned fourteen on October thirtieth, and I started me. <laughs> Thanks, guy. I, so how it all happened was when I was eight years old in third grade, I drew up, I had seen, I had seen a bunch of these bigger people with their hunting company. So I wanted to be like him. So I drew up a picture of a buck in, I was, yeah, third grade. I drew up a picture of a buck that was hanging in my uncle's house and I took it home to my mom and dad. And I was like, main beam addiction. Here it is. Here's the brand I wanted to make. So my mom and dad being as supportive as they are, uh, they helped me put it on some hats and shirts. And the debut was at County Fair that year. I sold 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 out of the few hats I had and got my money back. So then we started getting a little bigger. And it was 2020, December 5th. I got Main View Addiction was trademarked and it was mine. So that's where it started. But I mostly just started Main Beam to try get more youth in the outdoors and show them how awesome the sport is. Heck yeah, man. So let's... uh. Let's go down the mom and dad rabbit hole, right? Because there's a lot involved. And I know, you know, with with your dad, you know, hunting was a big part of his upbringing and his life. Um, oh, yeah. But this, the level of support and backing that they give you um, is is really second to none, you know, in this process and, and you know, pushing you forward. And not just not just you. Right. But uh but Leslie too, right? With with the four H, oh, yeah. I mean, everything that you guys are pursuing, I mean, they are all hands in. You know, things stop when it's when it's time for you. How has that impacted you? And then how have you taken that and translated it into your approach when you're helping people and dealing with people? Well, it's it's my mom and dad, if main beam wouldn't be where it, where it is right now, if it wasn't for my mom and dad helping me, they could have been like, Oh, that's a cool drawing and rolled on with it. But no, they were there. They helped me. They get me to all these shows. And it's just, it's just, um, my mom and dad have taught me a lot about respecting people. And a saying my dad always tells me is as long as you respect people, you'll go pretty far in life. So that's that's a, a saying I'm going to have to live by for sure. And that's one that a lot of people should try to be more like believe in it a little more. What about them fronting you that money? You pay them back yet? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. All right. I'll, I'll, take, I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll get my mom whatever she wants whenever I'm making the big bucks, hopefully. And I'll take my dad on that Arizona strip. Meal Wait, <laughs> you got to at least get them back their initial investment. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's all right. They're my mom and dad. They could be. <laughs> oh man. All right, Elmer, you heard it, Jen, you heard it. He's going to, he's going to hold on to those funds. You guys will be uh seniors before you see it back. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, man, um, how has uh, and it's been a while. So, how has Main Beam? How has Main Beam matured or changed as you mature and change, and your outlook is expanded? Um, you know, initially it was you know youth in the outdoors, um, kind of from your perspective, and the more that at least in my eyes, the more I see you branch out and reach out that, that perspective and growth um, main beam has matured as you've matured. Well, as I've gotten older, of course, I've like understand it a lot more. Like I've the, a few of the past reels I've done, I did one with New Mexico game and fish. It was, I am fair chase. And it just talked about like a few things on pretty much respecting the animals and so I've matured on that kind of stuff. I talked to, I've talked a bunch on like the bills for a lot of these hunting rights. And as I've gotten older, I've just gotten to understand a lot more and all these little things that your parents tell you while you're growing up or whatever, like <laughs> you need to pay attention to this. You need to pay attention to that. Those are some things you need to pay attention to for sure. Cause I feel like that's helped me a lot in getting to where I am now with like, I, I know a lot about it because I've paid attention pretty well. You know, what's funny is, is a lot of folks, man, take until they're adults to make that statement that you just made, right? You know, those things that your parents are telling you to pay attention to. Most folks want to revolt until they're 19, 20. Shoot. I know dudes that are in there, they're in their thirties and they're just realizing that crap. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> So that's, yes, that's sir. a, that's pretty, man. If you say that, sir, thing went to me one more time, I swear I'm going to reach through this zoom call, <laughs> snatch your head off. <laughs> all right, all right. We are, we are well beyond uh, the sir, but I appreciate it. Um, no, that's pretty <laughs> profound, dude. And you know, you and I had a pretty good conversation on our hunt, you know, in terms of the respecting the animal part of it. So I, and, and we talked about talking about that when we record it next, you know, and, and yep. how, you know, I'm gonna just say it, you know, people will share a photo with you, you know, with, with a main beam hat or a main beam shirt. And, and it's greatly appreciated. Right. But then there's a level of um, respect and admiration that you have for an animal and how you display that animal and that good old grip and grin or that photo, of, you know, that kill shot photo or whatever it is. Um, how important it is, how, excuse me, how important is that for you to pass that along to, you know, youth hunters or even new hunters, right? Cause I've seen adults, you know, grown people, new hunters that are looking at what you're doing and kind of following your lead. Yeah. So talking about that ethics deal with the pictures and stuff, I, I do get a lot of pictures of people wearing main beam stuff and sending me pictures, but they're just not. I have some people that follow me that I know they don't support hunting or I mean, they support hunting, but they don't support hunting. They're like in the middle. And if they are to go and see, oh, this kid's posting pictures of this animal with his tongue hanging out, blood everywhere. They might be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the side. I don't. I want to be a non-hunter. But if we if we already have enough of that going on, if we can take better pictures like on every animal that we harvest, we make sure that we have his legs tucked in. My dad, my dad and me both carry an extra Ziploc bag of white bees to where if there's some blood on, on, on the face or anywhere we can try to wipe it off or even put a little bit of dirt on it to make it just try to make it to where it doesn't throw a bad image out there for all the hunting, the hunting community. So, so what would you say 
when someone says, well, that's what it is. That's part of it. That's what we do. Who cares what they think or say? What would you say to something like that or that thought process? Well, I mean, they're not wrong, but at the same time, those, those hunt, the non-hunters, whenever they see that, like I said, they're going to be like, no way. So if we want to keep hunting around for like, whenever I have kids, we need to make sure we take these little steps and do these little things that to where it doesn't take hunting away for whenever I have kids or all these other youth hunters have their kids. So we still have it. And you demand, you demand D. So, because it drives me crazy. Right. And, and you know, you're oh, going to yeah. see blood. You might get blood on your hands. You might have a little blood on the antlers or whatever. And, and it's not that there shouldn't be a drop of blood per se. Right. But, but there should be a level yeah. of care that goes into how we display it. And I know for a lot of folks, um, you know, we want to, we want to draw the line in the sand and say, this is what I'm sharing. This is my deal, blah, 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 blah. But it affects us all across the board, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, so, so taking that and saying, I'm going to do a little bit better, even if it's just a little bit better, right? If you're going to have blood, hey, yep. just make sure that you can't see the guts hanging out or make yeah. sure that you position the animal in a certain way that it doesn't, you know, you don't see the uh, – the cavity split open and things like that. Um, when you, a, oh, sorry, man. You, like what, what you're saying with that one is even just take the little bit of effort to drag every time you shoot an animal, wherever it lays, there's a puddle of blood. Even just take the little, the 20 yards and drag the animal out of that puddle of blood to where you don't have a big old puddle of blood there. Or even another thing is I've, I've got taught this since I was little, but sitting on top of the animal, like that one, oh, that that's like, doesn't show respect to the animal at all. That's I, yeah. That's not. Yeah. I'll, I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a rough one for me, man. I, I mean, oh, and yeah. you see displays of that, right. And, and it's not everybody, most people, at least most people that I follow or follow you or we follow. Oh yeah. They're, they're very respectful. And, and that's called thin in the herd, in my opinion, because if I see something, where it's disrespectful or it's off-putting. I mean, if it's off-putting to me as a hunter, then I'll be dang. It's going to be off-putting to someone that has no idea of the admiration, respect that we oh, have yeah. for those animals, the land, the pursuit, every bit of it, right? Um, it just, I don't know. It doesn't, it does make sense to me to a point to have the attitude, well, this is part of it, but it doesn't in. Then, then keep that in your circle. Then send that over a text and send that over a DM oh, yeah. and keep it out of sight of the people that don't understand, that don't get it, that may, like you said perfectly, that are right in the middle, right? They're undecided. Um, so that, we, that, yeah, that could just throw them off right there. Yeah. That, and, could, that could be their, their like final reason on why they're going to be a non-hunter. And right. we need to, like I said, we can't, we can't have that. And the more that we display it in a respectful manner to the animal, even the people that aren't in the middle or that are on the, you know, cause we say it all the time, Oh, we'll never affect the people that are aunties. And I don't, I don't agree with that full on. I think that if we continue to show our admiration, our respect, our way of life, it's not a gloat, but this is what we do. This is how we, you know, air quote, fill the freezer. And there's some goals and stuff like that involved yeah. with what we do. And, and we want to accomplish things. But I think we can pull those people in and shed some light on not being these dastardly barbarians that are running around and killing, right? If we cannot exactly. come to that ground, we'll never, 
even the people in the middle will never win any of them. But then the people that are on the other side that just don't understand it. Right. I mean, those conversations right. aren't hard to have when they see the tradition that's involved with, you know, you, your dad, your, your grandpa, um, people don't understand it when they see that that's all light that's being shed on, on this amazing pursuit. You know what I mean? It's just, it, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, so what message? What message? And we'll end that one. But what message do you have to people? Um, in that presentation, in those discussions, how should they approach it? Should it, you know? And and I already know that answer. But you know, should we be so cold when it? And and then should we ignore the people that are, you know, air quote antis? Yeah. Um, I think that we should, we should try even like guy said, even if it's just one little thing to make the animal look a little bit better, especially if it's parents with their kids, like ever since I was little, my dad has taught me that I need to take good pictures. Sometimes we'll sit there for 30, 45 minutes holding up that heavy head because we need to take good pictures where the tongue isn't on my Barbary hunt. I remember that his head was super heavy because of the mass he had. And I could barely hold his head up because I wasn't very strong, but that, that should make me stronger, but his tongue <laughs> kept popping out. So I had to hold him right. But even if it's just that little thing of the tongue coming out and as parents, make sure you do that to teach your kids, like to where they know for whenever they come up that got to take respectful pictures for the animals. So that, like you said, the anti hunters or the ones in the middle don't come, come at us hunters. All right, so we'll kill that one. We'll get off our soapbox. I'm sure we'll get preachy on other topics <laughs> later, right? Because we're both pretty passionate right. about about how we display this and how we show it and present it, you know, to whomever it is. Um, so this dude, okay. So you've been you've been laying down animals for years, right? But me knowing you, me knowing the pursuits when we met and then, you know, a lot of the backstory on how you got in and the things that happened before that, with all that, this was your, this was your breakout year. This was like, I got some tags and I can get after it. This is my first elk tag, right? How, how did this season look versus all your other seasons? Cause you had some, you had a pretty good butt kicking lesson in archery. Oh yeah. So for the start, all, all my other hunts, we've we've worked hard. Like we've put put the miles in. We've done all that stuff for the past few years. But this year, we actually my grandpa gave me an archery deer tag on his ranch. We've never hunted there before. And me and my dad, I, I practiced with my bow forever. I talked to Guy on all those those tips of staying steady and all that stuff, keeping my pins from floating too much. And so me and my dad went after it. Um, we were chasing a few, a few different bucks and it was, it was, it was tough. We hadn't, we hadn't got on any of them yet. And we actually got lucky and me and my dad were driving to another one of the ridges so that we could get up on top of it and walk it real fast. And I looked over and I seen, seen a deer just standing there with his head down. And I was like, dad, there's a buck right there. There's a buck right there. He's like, no way. So my dad jumps out and he looks glasses up. He's like, oh yeah, it's a buck. It's, it's a nice buck. So me and my dad jump out and we're starting to creep up on this deer. And I was laughing at my dad, which now I understand real well after this one, but I was laughing at my dad with his wind checker. 
he'd be doing it every two seconds. And I was like, he's, he's so funny. So me and my dad got 64 yards from this book. Um, and we had, we couldn't see him cause he, he was behind a tree and the buck walks out. My dad's like, there he is 64 yards. And I almost threw back. My dad almost let me send it, but he was like, no, but I think we can get closer. I think we can get closer for sure. So me and my dad creep up, get to 30 yards, perfect positioning. We're waiting for that buck to walk out. And all of a sudden that wind swirls and <laughs> that buck <laughs> took off running right there. And I was like, no, I could have shot him at 64 yards, but it's all right. That's, that's bow hunting for you. So like guys said, that one was that, that part of the hunt was over. And that was my first good stock on a muley. And after that, I learned that the wind was a big game and that, that, that part of it. So after that, we can't, we didn't end up getting one that weekend. And we ended up going back two other weekends. And the second weekend we seen, we found an even bigger buck and me and my dad chased after that one. And we were in horrible weather, weather, uh, wind, so wind was crazy. We were in like a whole storm and wind got us again on that buck. So that buck took off next one. Um, it was the last, last day of the hunt. And me and my dad were sitting there glassing and my dad glassed up a, a really, really nice buck. And so me and my, it was like pretty far, far away. So my dad said, all right, we're going to hit this ridge line right here, go down in this bowl. And when we pop up, the buck should be, should be somewhere around there. And so I followed my dad's lead. We went up right here, just like my dad played it out. We popped over the top of that and there was a doe at 70 yards walking straight out in front of us. And my dad didn't know where the buck was. So I drew back. I was, I was all excited. I was like, this buck's going to walk out. I'm going to hammer it. I was drawn back and here comes the buck walking out, but the buck was like 150 yards out. So I let down and those, the doe actually, she had actually caught movement over. So she took off running and the buck was still just standing there 130 and they actually ended up spooking out. But me and my dad were on top of the mountain and they had ran into that tiny little bull. So we got up on top and we were looking at him for like 130 yards. I looked over and my dad was like, dad, if I had a rifle right now, this buck would be dead. <laughs> and I, I remember him telling me, well, bud, that's archery hunting for you. And that was the end of that hunt. But that hunt, it for sure, guy was talking about what I've learned. That, that, that hunt taught me more than any other hunt, for sure, about wind and just hit, taking the right angles at deer and just looking at Onyx maps and figuring out where I need to be and just – my dad pretty much pinpointed that buck pretty perfect. So I, I, I've learned a, a whole lot from my dad on that part too. So that hunt was super fun, but we had an even better hunt come up after that one. Mine guys up. Hunt, so Heck we yeah. should get to that one. So, you know, it's funny that you, you talked about the wind checker because on our hunt between me and your dad, it looked like it was snowing. Oh, <laughs> I thought I was like, Oh my gosh, these guys are going to end up choking me over here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you see the importance of it. Right. Oh, and yeah. I mean, just, just in our situation. Right. And and we, you know, between me and your dad uh, and, and you too. Right. I mean, if we couldn't play the wind between the three of us, something was wrong. <laughs> Yeah. But you can never make assumptions with it, right? And and that was one of the right. things like I was showing you. I'm like, look, watch this wind here. But then you move five feet, that wind's doing something different, right? Open canopy, tight canopy. And, and you know, you get into a drainage coming off of the ridge. And 
honestly, there's a couple times for me this season where it was like, you know, throw caution to the wind. I shouldn't be going that way, but I'm looking at the terrain and the landscape going, that wind is different where that animal is. Right. And sometimes you just, you know, you, you, no pun intended, throw caution to the wind, understanding that it's going to be different, you know, 40 yards from you. Um, Oh yeah. and, And your dad, your dad is a phenomenal hunter phenomenal hunter right and 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 he doesn't he doesn't care to go you know as he calls them chase pine donkeys (laughs) (laughs) right but but the guy knows he knows the animal he knows the the landscape and the terrain so you got you got one heck of a mentor um so let's talk about the 64 yard thing right because some people hear that and say oh man that's a you know that's a long shot you know 40 yards blah 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 with a bow and that drives me doesn't drive me crazy but it drives me crazy right it's it's proficiency with your your chosen weapon i don't care what it is rifle muzzle loader with scope muzzle loader with open sights you know whatever um 64 yard shot when you're shooting you know 80 100 yards and you're practicing you're confident with it how how do you feel about that right when you hear people talk about you know that that limiting that limiting yardage being, you know, 40 yards or so. Yeah. Well, just like you said, I think that you, you should know your limits to where I, I knew I could have took that shot probably and been successful and put a good shot on the animal. But me and my dad, dad had, we thought we could even get a little closer and make it even better to where if you know your own limits, like I know guy, guy over here could smoke him a pine donkey at a hundred yards <laughs> But the guy knows his limits and guy, you shoot every day almost. And so you just have to know your limits on, on what you can shoot. And and that standard isn't, it isn't set by anyone else, right? I mean, you have to be yeah. honest about your capability. When you and I went to Ron's, what were we shooting? Our furthest shot was like 1300 plus yards. Um, oh yeah. But my limit was well inside of that at, you know, 956, because that's where I was the most consistent with that weapon and that ammunition choice, right? 956 with that, that is it. And and to this day, that is the limit on that rifle uh, because of that, right? Um, It really is going to vary person to person, but I believe that standard, like we said, is is about proficiency and how much time you're dedicating to becoming more and more proficient. If you listen to people that tell you 40 yards and you set that limit, you're always going to be a 40-yard shooter. And you want to talk about mule deer? Yeah, 40 yards on on a good mule deer, that's you're doing the damn thing, right, if you're getting inside of that. For sure getting inside of it so our hunt man our hunt was something (laughs) oh that that was that was great (laughs) it was great until like the third day and it got silent it was like oh man um it was it it was it was a character of a hunt if you want to call it that yeah yeah it was right and and there was things that There was things that we probably could have done a little bit differently. So, okay, to fill everybody in real quick, right? Our our opening morning was an absolute melee. Um, oh yeah, I gotta talk about that one. <laughs> Go where for I was it. trying to catch up, catch up with you guys. So, here's what happens: is we pull up or whatever, 
and we jump out. We hit a bugle. Guy hits a bugle. Bulls sound off. Not not too far from us. So my dad says, they're right here. So guy, me and my dad jump out of the truck or whatever. And we're going in there. Bulls are ripping like crazy. And out of nowhere, they start, they start, they started fighting. And my dad and guy, they started picking up the speed when they were fighting. And I was like, I'm going to get left behind with these guys. Hold on. My legs are as long as yours. <laughs> we got in there real quick into those out. And once we got in there from there, it was, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, we set up, we set up one time. Didn't we guy? We set up the first time and guy was set up. We were good. Uh, the, el- the bulls were pushing the cows kind of right in front of us, weren't they? Yeah. And cow walks out. It was the lead cow. Actually, that's another good thing I learned on that. I learned a good, that was a good lesson on that. Hunt, is that lead cow walked out, whatever. And my dad and guy, they were already, you guys were a little scared on where that lead cow had went. Cause you guys had lost her a little bit. A little so bit. We got a little, <laughs> you guys a little more than a little scared, but that lead cow got out, <laughs> got out in front of us a little bit. And then we were in a, a, a big old a group of them pretty much. And we ended up getting a little bit closer because there's so much, so much brush in our way and trees. And that, that terrain is a little bit different than going out and hunting some barbary sheep where it's just flat. Wide open. Yeah. So we got, we got in there a little more. There was still bulls ripping. And that, that was the first time I've ever been in elk. So I'm sitting there shaking. Like, I don't even know what like I'm shaking. Leaf, like, bro. But I'm shaking. <laughs> I was going crazy shaking, trying to hold the camera right there. I was going crazy. And the the bigger bull, we were calling him the unicorn bull because his brow tine went straight out and kind of curled a little bit. Comes running in at like 40 yards, hits a bugle, stands right there. there of course, in the moment, there's a stick right there, so a guy can't shoot him. Or not a stick. It was like like a big old Branches, rock pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So a guy can't shoot him. and that He's like, ha-ha, you can't get me pretty much type of deal. And he, he runs off, goes back, and... Guy could have had a few more opportunities on a littler bull, couldn't you? I think. Yeah. Guy- okay. So, so I'm going to rewind a little bit. So, you know, we got into our first position and it looked like they were going to feed to us. We called a little bit, the bull's screaming. And then we saw the herd bull. We could barely see him. And he's just, he's standing in one spot. He's screaming, he's screaming, screaming. And the sats are coming through. And as the satellites are coming through, they start locking horns. Well, when they start start locking horns, that's our opportunity to booger in. We boogered in, I think the first time, maybe 60 or 70 yards closer. And that's where we set up and, and saw that cow break off. When they started pushing up the drainage a little more, we we made the decision to go in further as we were making that decision. I said, hey, boys, I lost that cow. We got to be careful because she's still right in there. I think she bedded down. And we get over to our to our position. I mean, you're talking, I don't know, we were probably in 40 to 50 animals somewhere in there. And we're watching satellites kind of cut through. And we we didn't get eyes on the herd bull, but he was just screaming, 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 raking. He'd lock antlers. Um, and he'd lock antlers, they'd knock a couple times, and then that, you know, that that satellite would kind of move in line with them. But the satellites were staying out in front of all his cows to the for the most part. So yep. this bull is he starts, we see him start coming through and he's dogging a cow, and he comes, they were I think it was 47 yards, and he's 
dogging this cow. He finally hooks her, gets her back. He's standing facing me at 47 yards away. Um, he, just, he bugled one time. That was pretty sick. Yeah, shook right in front of the, us. Shook, yeah, shook off all the all the frost that was on. And, that was <laughs> um, and as he's doing that, we found that cow. So she oh, yeah. is. Oh, probably, she started barking at me. Yeah, buddy. She's probably 40 yards, 30 to 40 yards to our three o'clock. The bull is at about our 1230 and she barks. And I'm like, oh, no. And Diego goes, I think it's a bull. I think it's a bull. And she she was serious about that bark. Right. She had some bottom to it. And she barked. Oh, yeah. She barked again. Right. Barked again. And then that bull hooks that other cow pushes her back well that cow comes into my my lane and we're thinking okay that bull's gonna turn and follow her because he was dogging her hard 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 he comes he he walks away he's following her he follows her the cow that's off to our three o'clock she barks again she darts i mean she was what maybe 15 yards when she came down and turned from us she barks she she runs she was not far. She barks so and like runs. I could have hit her off the head with the stick. Yeah, man. <laughs> she was close. When she barked and she ran, um, she took probably half of that herd with her. Uh, that bull never made the turn to call it, you know, 10 o'clock. Instead, of course, he went up the drainage at, you know, 130-ish. And that kind of killed that situation for us. And then, and that kind of goes with being selective, you know, and targeting a specific animal. Cause that lane I had, I can see the satellites walking up the same path as they, you know, as they kind of filed through there. Um, but that's what happens when you try and target, you know, that, that one animal and especially that herd yeah. bull, right? I mean, he's working to keep his cows moving in a direction. Um, he's hooking, he's, you know, pushing them around, trying to keep them together, keep those satellites off. Um, and it's just, man, it's just a lot. And then when you have that many eyes, good Lord, man. But you want to talk about adrenaline. Everybody, I think, was just elevated full on. You're back there oh, yeah. shaking like a leaf, you know. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, you know, and 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 the part of that, you know, that part of that whole deal was that that was a private land tag, so we're clear. And it's a private land only tag. So as they work up this drainage, they're dropping off into national, which is off limits. We can't even go into the basin that they were that they were funneling up um, and go hunt them over there. And the assumption is that they were bedding over there. That's really how it seemed, given time of day, that much movement and activity. Um, but that was, I mean... And it was nice for me, right? Because my season was pretty slow in terms of, you know, communication um, and and hearing elk bugle. So it was awesome. I mean, the cows were going off. The bulls were going off. The one satellite, you know, hindsight always says, I should have shot that bull. But that one satellite, dude, he was just, he wouldn't stop screaming. Like every other step, that dude was screaming. (laughs) But, you know, you target a herd bull, you run the risk, man. Yeah. That was uh we gotta talk go ahead. Yeah, we gotta talk about the the rub, the rub bull. Dude. So okay. <laughs> so it was and man, I wish I could share that. Maybe somehow I'll share that through this episode. Maybe we'll get a visual with all the the marks. I mean, I don't think I've ever I know I've never seen that many rubs in that 
square mileage ever. I mean, it was like you couldn't walk a hundred yards without bumping into a rub. Um, so we're walking. I don't know what was that day three, maybe day two or three. Oh, when that we was. Saw that. Oh no, no, that was that was day one. That was the evening of day one. Was it? Yeah, we we were in on the first day. I thought it was day two or three. Okay, I stand corrected. Um, we're walking through. And, you know, the, the rubs on those small saplings and stuff, it's cool to see them, but they're not impressive. And I look over and maybe 100 yards away, there's a trunk that's probably a foot, foot and a half round. And just, I mean, bright, bright, fresh rub. And I look over there and it's up the tree. What do you think? Seven or eight feet? And I... and I Oh, oh yeah. It was, it was, it was nice, nice. Yeah. And I, I turned around. I said, hey, D, look at the size of that rub. So I turn and I start walking and he goes, movement. <laughs> <laughs> so as he's looking at the rub, he catches movement in, in some uh, oak brush just behind that rub. I look, Elmer looks, and there's a bull that comes out. And and as we're looking <laughs> to see this movement and we're, we're I mean, diving. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, we dove into that tree. Elmer makes it down to almost his knee. I don't know what you were doing. And then I was caught standing. And I just froze. So I'm like, Knees bent, bent over, like approaching the ground. <laughs> and this bull didn't even have the muzzleloader butt on the ground yet. No, no, it was like the muzzleloader was shaky. He wasn't floating in the air. So we have this Mexican standoff for like, what do you think, 15 minutes? Oh, yeah. I turned the GoPro on right when we dove behind that tree <laughs> and I looked at it. It was 15 minutes right on the dock, pretty much, when that bull finally moved. So, so your dad's there, right? And his. His hands are up in the air. He's he's squatted down. His knees aren't down yet. And he's start, you know, a couple minutes goes by and he's trying to creep down. And I just remember when I saw his hand finally touch his leg and his knee hit the ground. I'm looking at him. I go, that SOB gets to rest. <laughs> and I'm standing there and we're like seven minutes in and the tremble started in my legs. And I'm like. Oh, no, no, no. And I'm watching this bull and I can't even lift my head. So I'm lift. I'm looking past the bill of my hat at this bull. His rear leg is up. He's pretty much frontal to us. I mean, we're we're just dead in the water. Can't do a thing. Ten minutes in. I mean, I'm trembling. I'm trembling. I'm trembling. And I'm trying <laughs> to do everything I can not to just fall over. The muzzleloader butt is off the ground like three or four inches. And I'm looking, I'm looking at the bull. I'm like, okay, how do I, and I mean like quarter inch slide at a time to let that thing slip through my hand a little bit, just moving my thumb like this, <laughs> trying to let the, just the butt hit the ground. And it was like the biggest relief ever. I mean, you want to talk about like, oh, and I'm like, man, the trembles are going to catch it. <laughs> I could I could hear Diego shaking or whatever you were doing behind me. That was it was man, that was a trip. When oh, that bull I remember my dad, my dad's like, stop moving, stop moving. But it was the raindrops coming off the tree hitting me on my jacket. And I was like, why is he telling me to stop moving? I'm not moving. <laughs> when when that bull, because his rear leg was up almost oh, yeah, the, was up whole the whole time, time right? And when I saw him put his leg down, I'm like, okay, one of two things is going to happen. He's going to blow or he's relaxed because he can't figure it out. When he put that leg down, dude, I was like, come on, come on, come on. Just keep, just keep coming to us. And he put that leg down, waited a second. And then he kind of turned and walked towards, actually it was the same drainage 
just a yeah, little further up. Yeah. It was, and we, we were talking about that rub line. There was like a rub line that they would follow too. Yep. Yeah. Right at the, right at the base of that oak brush, man, was just bad. Um, yeah. You know, he started to move up. I go on pursuit and this was, this was a big, big lesson. And I'm not sure if you caught it. Right. Um, oh yeah. As, as I went up, that bull wouldn't move. He's moving away from me. And it started to open up a little bit. And, you know, I had to be cautious, but I wasn't so cautious that I couldn't keep up to him. And I'm just looking for a shot opportunity. And he's probably 80, between 80 and 110, 120 yards as I'm pursuing him. Well, Diego goes, that bull's running. So what, and it was crazy. What I heard was cow call, right, from behind me. Well, then the bull started to, literally zigzag and move around on the bench he was on once he heard the cow call um i'm not sure if it was, was you. yeah it was it was like he was boys in the hood man um it was crazy right i'm like what the heck is this bull doing so i positioned myself to try and get an opportunity you know hopefully he'll stop so then i don't know if it was you or your dad or if it was even me at this point that bugled at him well when he bugled he stopped, he oh, turned yeah. perfectly broadside, but then he had these, these first saplings in front of him. No shot. Cow call again from you guys. The bull started doing the same thing. Now he's kind of like figure eighting in this little pine patch, going zigzagging, figure eight and figure eight and hit him again. So I, at that point, I hit him with the bugle. He stopped again, no shot opportunity, go figure. And then he just turned around this big oak brush and then just booked it straight up that drainage. So I'm going to let you, okay, I want you to tell me what you think happened when we called to that animal. Oh, well, so here's the thing is that what I think is, I think he was like, he couldn't, he didn't know what we were because he didn't like, when we had to stare off with him, he, he didn't exactly know what we were. So he kept walking or whatever. But I think like, since he didn't see anything, he thought that cow calling was like a little like weird because mm -hmm. he didn't see any cows. Exactly. So I think that was like where it was at yep that's exactly where it's at right he was there for 15 minutes staring down there did not see an elk anywhere and then we called at him to try and get him to hold back now i think the bugle was the way to go i absolutely know yeah. the bugle was a way to go and not the cow call um but it's pretty funny right because it's a and we didn't really discuss that which i hold myself accountable for is hand signals and things like that. And I don't know that you guys could even see me as I was pursuing him. Yeah, we've seen you for like a little bit. And then we were like, guys on his way. You're going to go get him. <laughs> that was a nice bull we too, didn't. dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was a nice bull. It's six by six. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, all in all, right. I, it's always hard to walk away from a hunt because you go into a hunt with, with expectations. And I you typically tend to temper my expectation and have a, you know, my level best to just go get it done. Even with the expectation of going down to New Mexico in that particular unit on that particular ground, man, it was, it was just phenomenal to finally be out on the mountain with you and Elmer spend that time together. And I don't think you and I stopped laughing you know, it was always oh. some shenanigans, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. We have plenty. I'm sure Guy has plenty of videos oh. to show you of 
I got more video of you sleeping than anything. <laughs> oh, that might be a little bit true. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest was, I don't remember what day it was. It was pretty freaking cold. And I, and I like, where's D at? Cause you were just behind me. And what we would do so folks understand is we would, you know, we'd get on these areas and the, the elk had got so quiet that all we could really do was kind of pick a spot and, and kind of lay in wait, right? It was kind of ambush hunting at that point because they weren't responding to anything. Um, Diego and I went through breeding sequences, cold calls, the whole nine, um, just trying to entice something. Um, but they were they were really, really on edge for whatever reason. Um, so we just went ambush style and we would kind of, you know, triangle up. Um, I would be in the prime position. D would be, you know, in a in the secondary position. And then Elmer was kind of watching down basin or down drainage from us. Um, and we just tried to position ourselves to where I can move between my position and your two positions. If we saw anything. Um, yep. and we really went ambush style after that. Cause they just, they wouldn't respond to a thing, man. After I remember the first day that morning was super good. That evening we were on that one that was zigzagging. And then the second day, they they bugled a little bit in the in the morning, but once we find we actually got in there, nothing happened. We get back to the truck and a bull rips. Yeah. Right. Once we right. hit the truck, so you bugle, bull rips again. So we take off after that bull. Never ended up finding him. And then after that, I think we might have got two or three more bugles on the third, fourth, and fifth day, and that was about it. Yeah, I think you know part of that too, right. Is, is looking back on it, hindsight being 2020 is we're hunting that transition area, right. From, from that nighttime feeding to that, that, you know, morning bed and, uh, everything was moving like, Hey, I'm here, but I'm not stopping for you. I'm gonna keep going. Um, yeah. Hunting transition is always tough though. I mean, that's, that's a butt kicker, right. And it's so hard to move out of an area once you find them, um, but for me, it's like, Hey, if we're in transition, it's time to booger out of here. And, and, you know, again, the downside to where we were hunting them is it bordered that national, which we couldn't touch on that tag. So, but man, what, uh, what a good time that was, dude. We had some fun. Oh, um, yeah. It was awesome. That's the first. I, I taught you my, I taught you my ways on sneaking pine cones into my dad's pack. <laughs> so we got <laughs> this dude's walking. And I see him start picking up rocks and Elmer runs the initial ascent pack and he has his bow sling <laughs> attached and Diego's grabbing rocks and, and sneaking and lightly dropping them to add weight to, to Elmer's pack. <laughs> so all I could do was laugh and film the whole thing. I think I got 15 minutes of him, of him filling up, uh, the bow holder and Elmer finally reaches like, why is my pack feel heavier? <laughs> and then the, uh, uh, yeah. then the, then the stick comes flying at you. <laughs> oh. I was like, this dude's going to catch. I was like, he's going to catch a bad one, dude. And then Elmer was like, what the, and he grabs a stick. <laughs> right on the pack. <laughs> And then walking and putting, uh, what were you picking like flowers and, and dandelions and crap and putting them on oh. his lid? I was picking some flowers for him. I told him he could carry them back home for mom and 
Mom Leslie, and he didn't he didn't like that one too much, I guess. Yeah, that was your excuse for doing it after you got busted. That's all. That's pretty good. That was funny. So, yeah, our hunt, man, that was uh, that was a blast. And then you know we spent some time chasing prairie dogs. <laughs> oh yeah, that oh oh that was it was a great one. I I set guy up on on this thirty five pound. 400 inch prairie dog and he missed it 20 yards i cleared him off on monster prairie dog and he missed it heck yeah that uh them, man that red one was that something else that was a big oh, old yeah. dog dude oh yeah we gotta that 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 was the zigzagging zigzagging prairie dog right there guy let how how far was that shot guy the first on that red prairie dog first shot i think was like 50 yards the second shot we had oh, yeah. busted in a little bit, so it was probably probably forty yards, thirty-five to forty yards. But to see <laughs> those little critters, man, to see them, you know, as we call it, jump the string was crazy. Oh yeah, they they were jumping the arrow like five seconds before guys yeah. arrow even got them. It was nuts. But then that red one, he outran like oh, all yeah. three He's of us couldn't it. believe that he outran that arrow. It was insane. It was like he seen it. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, it was I mean, like those he guys seen it. He like took off running. Switched on. You want to? I've been saying it since then. You want to up your bow hunting skills? Put a stock on a prairie dog and send one at fifty yards on that sucker. Oh yeah. <laughs> and when you when you hit them, they're taking that arrow. Like if it's not oh, yeah. instantly lethal, that arrow is going oh, in yeah. the hole if they could have it, huh? <laughs> that was funny yeah, yeah that, that, one. that ranch has a problem with prairie dogs we'll just say that they should it should be open oh, season yeah. on them suckers um oh yeah so how was your wilderness hunt dude so that's that's so here's how it played out is me and my sister ended up actually having two two elk tags same same exact dates and so what we did is my elk tag was on one side of New Mexico and my sister's elk tag was pretty much on the other side of New Mexico. So, um, I, my, my dad actually ended up going to fr Friday. They dropped me off to school and my sister and my dad rolled out from school, from my school to where they were going hunting to set up camp. Cause the season doesn't start till Saturday. It's a five day season. And I got picked up from school and my, Mom, uh, actually, my auntie picked me up and dropped me off at Matt's house. And me, Matt, and Hunter met Mark. And we all went, all all of us, all four of us went up to where we were setting up camp. So we set up camp or whatever. That morning we woke up. And what, what we do is we actually, we have to get on bikes. So four-wheelers jump and ride them up. Uh, it's like a 20-minute four-wheeler ride just to the trailhead for for the wilderness and we walk up this main trail and the first morning as we're walking up the main trail just to get to the top it's four miles i believe just to get to the top of the mountain so once you get up there we were walking up it and we actually heard a bull a bull he bugled one time and it was already light that was the first bugle we heard so we jump off the trail and we just start going at him through all this crazy deadfall and all this and so that bull me and Hunter both get set up on sticks and Mark stayed back and Matt's with us. Matt and Mark started calling. Well, that bull came just like we wanted him to. Right, right. He's coming at us. And I was the first one to see him because Matt and Hunter were standing a little bit more over. And I told him, there he is. He's coming. But he was actually a smaller bull, a little five by five. 
And that was another awesome experience. Just like the first day of your hunt, that, that elk came up to 10 yards, I believe, to us and just stood there, bugled, shook it off. Me and Hunter both, it was the first day of the hunt and we knew that there was a good amount of elk in there actually. So we both decided to pass that one up. So that elk ended up taking off and we came, went back up to trailhead. We were going, we're going. And we actually got into this deep, deep canyon. Like bulls were absolutely ripping, but it was a deep, deep, nasty canyon. And as we're dropping down into this canyon, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is crazy. I thought the Barbary hunt was hard. This, this is this is this is man stuff right here. That's what they call it, man stuff. So we jump into this canyon or whatever, we're going down, and two bulls, they I think one of them bugled actually. And we, me and Hunter both jumped up, got set up, and there was two different bulls. One of them, we didn't actually get to see what he was. And then there was a little one that I'm pretty sure Hunter could have had a shot on, but it wasn't a very good shot, so they didn't end up taking it. So those bulls went off. And then after that, we're still dropping down into this canyon, going deep in. And my dad's texting me off with the inreach, telling me they have they see, they've seen the spike, and that was it. And I texted my dad, we got eight different bulls out here bugling <laughs> at us. <laughs> and he's all, you're lucky. And so we went after all those elk, ended up spooking out a bunch of them. Like, like you said, the wind is different from one spot to another. So wind was swirling in there everywhere. So we were already deep, deep in there. I'm pretty, like, pretty deep in there. So we decided to bag it to where we can make it out of all this deadfall and stuff before it gets like super, super dark. So we finally get to the trail to one of the like trails off of the main trail, get on that trail, hit the main trail, get back to the bikes, take that 20 minute ride where it's absolutely freezing because you're on bikes going through the wind. And so that day there was no snow, nothing. Second day we go out, my dad's still hunting with my sister. And second day we were absolutely beat actually because we did 16 miles the first day. I'm pretty sure is what we did or no. 14 miles is what we did that first day. So we were absolutely beat. So we had a glassing spot. So we just decided to go to the glassing spot and give our feet a little bit of a break and maybe go in there back in there that night. Well, so we actually ended up going to that glassing spot, all of us. And then whenever we came, we went back to camp to have some lunch because there was nothing. We went and checked out a few more spots, uh, a few more trails to try to get into this canyon so that we didn't have to go so far in to get to this canyon. But we did, that was unsuccessful. It started snowing, like, when we were trying to check those trails, and I was like, this this is what you call man stuff right here. I was about <laughs> to make an Instagram post on it. Well, so we ended up that, nothing, we didn't hear nothing that day, see nothing. So third day, we were like, all right, we're going back, we're going back in there, doing whatever we have to do to get, get some bulls killed. So my dad ended up coming, coming, down he brought my sister back sunday night here to the house slept for three hours and then drove to the other side of new mexico to come up to my hunt and all i remember is me and hunter were laying down in one of the one of the like bunk beds up there and mark looked out the window and he's all elmer's here and they were making fun of me but i was i jumped out of the bunk it's like a little ladder slid down the ladder and they told me I got dressed in like 30 seconds because <laughs> they're all, you miss your dad a little bit. And well, 
I was like, well, I better get ready and I'll be laying in bed when my dad opens that door. <laughs> better be ready to roll. So that Elmer that don't was, play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we ate breakfast, whatever, or we made our little Jimmy Dean sausage or whatever. And we went out on that hunt. And my dad, he I I, I keep making fun of him for it. He got lucky. He didn't have to do the the far one on the first day. Well, we start going in up the trailhead and boom it's still dark two two different bulls bugled so we're sitting here freezing me and hunter looking at, over at each other like dang i think we need a we need to steal our dad's hot hands real fast because it's getting it's getting a little too cold and <laughs> it was it was freezing when we start going at these bulls it gets light another thing is if if nobody if somebody don't got a western fly cover they need one for this reason yeah, because we, it started it started raining as it's snow on the ground and it's like snow rain pretty much like it'll rain on us for two seconds and then rain the next so me and my dad threw our western fly covers on our packs were dry there's money well we start chasing these bulls get in there a little more and as these bulls one of them we're still walking down it and my dad goes there's something right there so we both set up me and hunter and my dad thought he saw something which he did he said but he couldn't tell if it was a cow or a bull and so that happened. And then that bull rips again. And it sounds like he's coming. So we set up me and Hunter. Well, that bull comes like, comes in perfect. Goes, walks by a hunter uh, right past him. I, I think they didn't have the greatest of a shot on him. He keeps coming. And my dad's like, okay, he's coming, Diego. He's coming. And he stopped right behind a log, like a big old, like it was like a burnt tree. And we were like, dang it. Hopefully he don't booger out. Nope walks out right in front of me gives me a perfect shot boom i i take i get my first shot that was it was it was a good shot goes down right there he he came up he got up again so i shot him one more time and then after that i had to give him one more and he was good there's some there's some tough animals that's Mm. that's for sure heck yeah and so after that we go we pass pass a creek and i walk up to my first bull and I'll tell you that was that was something else. It was pretty awesome to get to walk up to my first bull. It was it was awesome. So Especially much so that the, your face was red and watery from all the cold, huh? I mean, <laughs> I didn't cry. It was cold. You, was cold. man, I, you're so full of it. I saw that picture. That was the first thing when you said, "Okay, wait, I gotta, I gotta say this." And man, okay. when when I got that picture, dude, I was over the moon. And then when you were like. Mom was first, you were second. I was over the moon again. I'm like, my dude. <laughs> I was like, heck yeah, man. I mean, that was a big deal, right? And and to watch you oh, grow and develop through this and then to, to to finally get out there and then you laid that animal down, dude. I was man, I was so pumped, dude. Especially, especially to 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 get my dad's been an elk guide since I was little. I remember him leaving and I would want to go with him, but we know how that goes with the guided hunts and stuff. Well, so I don't get to go with him, but that was like, so my dad showed me these pictures, these big old bulls he killed, or even the little ones. I didn't, I, I almost shot the five by five on the first day, <laughs> but I was like, it's the first day might need a, I'll, I'll wait. Maybe we could get one a little bigger, but to kill my first bull, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was that's like, cool that dad was there for it. Oh too. yeah. Oh yeah. That's probably icing on the cake, right? So passing that five, get a bigger bull. Plus Elmer showed up at camp. That's huge, man. 
That's a big oh, deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, I got to add on to that one, too. After we took pictures or whatever with Hunter, another bull, the bull that was with this one, we're pretty sure was with him, or close, kind of, riffs off. So Mark, Matt, and Hunter decide they go after this bull or whatever. And me and my dad, or we cut up my elk or whatever, and got that taken care of. And Matt and them come back, helped us finish cutting. I think we had one more quarter left. We finished cutting him up, and we all put him on our packs. And I had my pack. Hunter had some in his. Mark, Matt, and Dad all had some. And you want to talk about a good hunting partner? Hunter, Hunter had a heavy. He had a pretty heavy pack, and he he took it. He took it out good. So that's 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 another cool thing is that we should probably talk about is having a good hunting partner. My dad always tells me it's pretty hard to find a good hunting partner. So you gotta you gotta keep them where you can. So yeah, that's another cool thing. That that is a difficult thing, right? Because when when you're in the heat of the moment, you know, tempers could flare, excitement. You need somebody that's gonna stay level that has not just their success in mind, but yours as well, right? It has to be this exactly. this level playing field where they want to see you as su- su- successful, excuse me, as much as they want to be successful. And that oh, yeah. that is not easy to come by, especially in something like elk hunting when it's a 10% game. Right. Cause most people are going to, they're going to forget about you, man. I'm out for myself. I want that animal. So yeah, that, yeah, that is exactly. hugely important. I think that's the, that's probably one of the greatest compliments accomplishments I've had in hunting is whenever you see me and my hunting buddy Hunter walking out, we both had, we both got one killed like Barbary. We, we both came out with the Barbary, both came out with the deer last year. That was like the best feeling I've ever had. To, to know that we got both of it done mm-hmm. and we worked our butts off for it. Heck yeah. So Hunter Hunter didn't uh, tag out on the elk tag then? He didn't actually. No. Well, so we ended up going back. Did we go back in? Yeah, we did go back in there. And after that, it was pretty much almost like your hunt, silent. They went, mm-hmm. went silent, nothing else. So he ended up going going with not one, but it's all right. We'll, we'll get him We'll get him one on the next hunt. Here yeah, we heck yeah. That, well, the next year he'll have priority. Oh, yeah. So, okay, let's, uh, again, man, congratulations, dude. I was over the moon to get that picture and to see you laid that animal down. And the fact that that E-dog, <laughs> made it, <laughs> Elm dog made it up there for it, man, was, was even, you know, was even better when I saw that, man. I was, I was just, couldn't be happier, bro. Um, so let's go back to main beam, right? Because, because that's, that's huge. Um, and, and one of the things that's always impressed me with you, um, is there, there, that's a lot, you have a lot to balance for anyone, grown folks, whatever, but balancing school, your, your chore responsibilities, your 4-H responsibilities, football, baseball, wrestling, hunting, and main beam being a, a legitimate business. How do you, how do you balance that? What, why is it so important to have all this going on? Um, and, and how do you keep that motivation? Cause that's a lot. Most people would break. So like I said, I, I want to keep main beam going just, just to try to get more youth into the outdoors. Cause like I said, with the ethics stuff is whenever, whenever my kids are around, I want there to be parents. Like hopefully that like I'll be that want their kids out there in the hunting industry. Mm -hmm. So I still want it to be around. And 
it, it's going back to my mom and my dad without my mom and my dad and my sister too. I wouldn't be able to juggle all that stuff around to where if it wasn't for my mom and dad, I wouldn't be going on these hunts to have, to have half of the content I do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, to have the hunting stuff to enjoy. And with, with like Instagram and shipping stuff out, whenever school comes in after school sports are there, I can't, I can't really make it too much to the dealership to send out hats or shirts or whatever somebody orders. So that's where my mom comes in and she helps me out a lot on sending a lot of those off to where if I'm there, I can send them out. If I'm not there, my mom will help me out. Even with posts and stuff, my dad will be like, you need to make sure you spell all your stuff right. So I'll be like, hey, Leslie, did I spell all this stuff right? Does, does it look sound right? Look good. So like I said, it's mostly juggling it is just my family helping me out pretty much with my mom being there, my dad, my sister, all that good stuff. Well, okay. So I'm going to, I'm a caveat it because I know everybody, right? So they wouldn't put that level effort in if if you were not putting your level effort in to everything right and i mean we're talking i'm talking to a dude that has pretty much straight a's uh even with all this stuff going on in the and again there's grown folks that would just give up and and maybe some people don't have the support network but that support network you have is based on your amount of effort and work and motivation and dedication to it, right? Because they would they'd smack you on your head in a heartbeat, um, all three of them, if if that wasn't there oh, from yeah. you. So, um, well, do it. You gotta you gotta do it one hundred or ten percent, or don't do it at all. Get it done right. That's right. You don't want to have to go back and do it again. That's right. Um, so let's talk about you know since it since this youth focus with main beam right and and you got kids that are you know, getting into it, that are into it. What, what would you say are some of the top skills for a youth hunter to be developing and, and what are the, you know, most important ones? Let's go from, you know, say number five being the least important to number one being the most important in your view as, as kids are breaking in. Uh, so to me, first, first off for sure is, is safety with with your rifle or even with your bow with your broadheads or whatever like you need to make sure you know you know the way that that weapon works and you need to make sure that you know not only like the safety on it but you need to make sure you know that that weapon is shooting right you know how to shoot it right that you've been practicing to where whenever whenever that moment comes you can you can execute on it and get it done right not 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 like, like put bad placement on animals, like make sure you've practiced. So that's for sure. Number one for me, I would say. And then after that, it's mostly just, you, you kind of got to surround, surround yourself with the right people too. When, when you're in the hunting deal, you can't, you can't be with people that are like, okay, there's a deer right there, but we have, we don't have a deer tag, but let's, let's, let's shoot the deer anyways. Like you want to be surrounded with the right people because you never know whenever even if you're not the one doing it, that's another thing my parents have taught me is that can still come back around and bite you in the butt. You need to make sure that you're with or you're surrounded by the right people and not. And that's another thing with like Instagram. If if it wasn't for Guy, I wouldn't be where I am with a lot of people. I know Guy, Guy if I was not doing something good, he seen me doing something bad. Guy would be the first one to say, Diego, get your butt back in place. I mean, 
Tater from Long Range. I mean, all, all of them. Bam, 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 bam would be right behind guy telling me, Diego, get your butt back in place right now. That's right. So I, and it, I'm close it, enough now. I'll drive down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be just mom and dad on me. That's for sure. That's that's right. another awesome thing about in this hunting industry is there's a lot of good people in it. There's not just we talk about these hunt these non hunters, but there sure is a lot of good hunters out there too. That all these hunters that are in the community that are there too. Okay, so that's three. Okay. Three, oh no, sorry, that's two. Sorry. Safety. Surround yourself with good people. Yeah, and number three, shoot, I don't know. I'd have to. Well, how about we talk about ethics? Well, I, that was kind of ethics a little bit. Um, another that's, one. That's no, that's a good one. I mean, you could talk ethics and etiquette to me are huge, yeah. right? I mean, that's and, that, and they kind of go hand in, in hand. Yeah, that kind of falls in with with the pictures deal. And another one that I think is really really cool that my dad has taught me is I've killed four mule deer and I've had five of them so far in all the years of I've had five mule deer tags in all the years of me hunting and I've killed four of them. And the reasoning behind that is ever since I killed my first book, my dad said, you're going to kill a bigger one every single year for just, that's another thing on harvesting a bigger animal every year, or at least, at least trying to just, just, you can't, they're not going to be big if you don't, if you shoot all the little ones. I mean, you gotta, there's, there's another respect for the animal kind of. So my first year, he was a smaller buck, but that, that goes for my first one. My second one, a little bit bigger. My third buck, a little bit bigger. And now my fourth buck. So next year, I guarantee you, if I draw a mule deer tag, we'll be going for a bigger buck. And if another, a different one doesn't come out, then that, that then I, I won't, I won't harvest another buck because we want that population to be another thing. When my kids are around, I want to have, there has to be a deer population. If we shoot all the small ones, and don't let them grow a little bit. That's just another another one. So that's what is that? That's, that's that puts you at you four. Gotta... That puts you at number four. Four. Okay. So this one, it's 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 really important. Um, probably your gear too. Um, if you if I mean you could have you you got to have some some at least some decent gear too to where like you got to have good boots. For sure, that's another thing is have good boots, have a good pack. Pack that plays that plays a big role in that one. And we could go, we could go down a big old rabbit, rabbit hole, hole with that one yeah, on, buddy. on the on with how I used to run whatever pack that had laying around. And then you get you and Dennis and Joe hooked me up, and now I run the, one of the best packs out there for sure, made in the USA. So I think that plays a big part in it too, just having having good gear and like i said i think the most important part though is like another thing on the hunting partner is surrounding yourself with good people because mm -hmm. that 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 for sure helps out a lot now what about the what about the educational piece of it right i mean you you're in a position to where you know you, you have in your dad you have this phenomenal hunter this phenomenal guide um but there's pieces there's pieces of that that you're going to have to pull from elsewhere right um calling right. for example right that's oh, you know oh yeah i gotta talk about that one too that's that's another thing that we missed out on guys hunt is i was i was getting getting taught on how to do my all my elk calls by guy and <laughs> making them making them perfect and 
that that was pretty cool too when we were sitting there. So at first, I'm, I may or may not have sounded like a coyote, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I got me sounding like that, like that big old bull. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing, right? Is there is there really a perfect elk call, right? I mean, if you know what you're saying, that is, in my opinion, you know, eighty five percent of the game. Now, can it sound absolutely horrible? No, uh, but it needs to be close. But it's it's saying the right thing at the right time, right? And that is that's a lifelong pursuit, in my opinion, when it comes to elk. I mean, you talk right. to guys. I've talked to guys, uh, you talked to guy, you've talked to Joe. I mean, Joe's highly successful oh, yeah. in the Elk Woods. Mike Batiste, highly successful. Those guys are still learning to this day, right? And they're still, you know, revamping their game. And then we have to reposition our language and our talk to them as we change areas, as season heats up, as, you know, muzzleloader or rifles introduced into archery seasons. So there's so much there. So I don't know perfection. What the heck is that? But but understanding the language, understanding what those elk are, are doing in that moment and trying to get a response that's going to allow us, you know, a better opportunity is huge. And you I, good, I remember, too, I remember, too, is that's another deal is guy would tell me, what's the reasoning between doing this location bugle or what's the reason of doing this cow, this cow call right here? Like, no, you got to know what you're doing so you can execute it at the right time. Like our breathing sequences, guy had me over there raking. Oh, we gotta talk about my raking stick too. <laughs> I got, Did you use it? got me a rake. Well, here's the deal: is I kind of I was I was going I was gonna take it with me, and it was in my pack. But then my dad's like, I don't know if you want to take that stick in there, and I put it in my pack, and I had it, and I carried it like the first or second day, and then I was like. Gosh, my pack's getting a little heavy over here. <laughs> I just remember, I just remember, uh, like that third day, I was throwing stuff out of my pack that I just need. I was like, I think I'll be good on just two waters instead of three today. <laughs> well, you know what's funny with that, right? Is is so you know that can go into you know those top things for youth hunters to be looking at is you know preparation for the hunt, right? And and walking oh, yeah. around. And, it, and we don't make a big deal out of it in the youth space, but it's important, especially for somebody like you or Hunter that wants to achieve these things, you know, air quote, you know, um, man stuff, right? Well, that means that, <laughs> that you know, we got to step up to the plate and we got to, we may have to ruck a little bit. We may have to load that pack and yep. really get a feel for X amount of weight, whatever that looks like, you know, for a day hunt and then starting to go through and say, Hey, what's necessary gear and what's not so necessary gear. And then looking at, you know, am I throwing two mountain dews, two water bottles and one granola bar in my pack? Is that really fueling my hunt? Let me pull some of this weight out of the mountain dews, get rid of them things. Cause my boy Diego has a, a little thing with mountain dew. Oh, <laughs> Getting rid of Just that weight, <laughs> you know, getting rid of that weight and, and putting something with real nutritional value in there that's, you know, considerably lighter. So then maybe you can carry, you know, whatever extra piece of extra piece of gear or, or necessary piece of gear in lieu of the Mountain Dews. Um, oh, yeah. And that's all stuff, right? And, and a lot of it is trial by error or trial and error or trial by fire. Sometimes if you get caught off guard without the right stuff. Um, and the one thing I'm going to add, and you did say safety, but you said safety in terms of a firearm. 
I'm going to say safety in terms of first aid. Um, and, and we, yeah, that's that's true with knives and stuff. Yeah. yeah. As, as parents, we tend to overlook that when we're taking our kids out in the woods. Right. And, and we bear the burden of safety and first aid and CPR, but that should be something we're passing to the youth hunters and saying, Hey, this is a, this is a life-saving skill because you may not be the one Elmer might be affected by something, right? Anything can happen. Matt, Mark, they could be affected by something. You may be the one that needs to pull those skills out of the bag and save someone's life. So I'm going to add that to the list of things that youth hunters should yeah, be paying attention to. Exactly. You that's know, basic first true. aid, CPR, those are, those are life-saving skills that we all need to be cognizant of and taken out onto the mountain. Yeah, for sure. I feel like even it's the last couple of hunts, my dad's let me run, run a knife with him on cutting up the animal. But I, I for sure had a, a couple of my first services was just, holding a leg or something watching so that I, I could see. Cause that, that stuff's no joke. If you, I mean, my dad showed me plenty of stories of people cutting one of their, um, what's it called? Tendons or something. I don't know if you call them tendons. I don't know. Would that be the right term for it? Yeah. I mean, well, it depends on where you cut, but yeah, you cut a tendon, you yeah, cut a vein. Like, exactly. And them having to, I think one of the stories um, my dad showed me, one of the guys had his belt and he had wrapped his belt around, around that cut in, in his leg. And that's how he saved him from. Yeah. So from he had to run, basically run a tourniquet with his belt. Oh yeah. But uh, you know, again, that is hugely important and, and I get it right. And again, as parents, <clears throat> we're looking at us bearing that burden, but outside forces, right. I mean, you know, we have other hunters we're dealing with. That is a absolute necessary skill for everyone that's hitting the woods in my opinion right youth women new hunters uh experienced hunters i don't care what it is we we all should have that first day basic first aid and cpr and really get into what we're using right if you're if you're running around with archery and you have a severe laceration how do i how do i control bleeding how do i take care of that severe laceration you know in this first aid kit that i'm deciding to put in my pack and making sure that that first aid kit is packed to our pursuit right um i mine's not huge but i can take care of a gunshot i can take care of severe laceration i even carry a sammy splint which is like this real light um splint and a lot of people are like oh i'll just get this from a tree and this and that if i'm by myself and that's you know primarily how i roll is solo if i'm by myself and something happens i may not be able to go cut a branch off a tree or reach over and grab something that acts as a splint so you know it's all trade-offs and things that we need to be considering in my opinion yeah i think i think another one that we can make six for that is is even if any youth hunters hear this and then they want, they want just reach out and ask questions. It don't, even, even if me, they can do that to me. I'm sure guy would be just fine Absolutely. with somebody reaching out to him and asking questions on it. I mean, I, I call it guy at least, at least a few times a month to ask him a few questions. I remember right before that elk hunt, I was sending, sending, sending guy um, videos from the bugle and he sent me the little, the little duck emoji back, <laughs> or the little, the little chicken emoji back. But yeah, yeah, for sure. You gotta just reach out and ask questions. Yep. I I know I've done that plenty of times, and I'm sure whoever it is wouldn't mind doing that. 
So, and, and while we're on that, right, like, you know, I'll talk resources of folks that I know that that would help a youth hunter, right? That'd be uh, Dennis and Joe at, at Initial Ascent. Um, Bam, um, over at Wishes for Warriors, Bam is a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal hunter, um, probably oh, expert yeah. in terms of firearms, um, you know, and he lays animals down. He's out with his kids um, and, and he's big on promotion of youth in the outdoors. Um, Ron and Denise over at DR Long Range. Um, Carrie, another friend of ours that has phenomenal oh, yeah. woodsmanship skills. Um, these are all people that Diego knows that Diego looks to for, for answers and resource and Joe Gillia, um, my brother, Joe over at, uh, Elk Bros. So, you know, if, if we have youth listening to this, um, you know, utilize those resources. I don't, those people aren't going to turn you away. And if you have to say that, Hey, I listened to Western contours with Diego and guy, and they said to reach out and I have some questions, then, you know, by all means, you know, you drop our names. Um, and we, I want to touch on it a little bit, right? Because when, <laughs> when you were running dad's packs, right. I was like, dude, this is ridiculous. Like the pack was 10 sizes too big. So, you know, got with, with Joe and Dennis and, and we put you into that, uh, the Invictus frame, right? And and so so folks know, you know, if you go and you look and it's for a youth hunter, that Invictus frame is a smaller, it's for smaller frame individuals and the frame is shrunk um, just enough so it sits on your body just right, right? And I believe it's the only thing on the market that is like that and that'll work for youth hunters, you know, and, and Diego's gonna grow into that pack and there may be a point where you can take and change out the frame but keep your same suspension your same um bags and use those on on the integris frame so um it's a great investment for a youth hunter you know if parents are listening um that they can grow into yes there's going to be a step up in there somewhere but that's going to be years down the road i mean your torso is going to have to stretch quite a bit so and you've been running that for what two seasons now i think um i think it's been what was the first thing Three three seasons because the, the first thing I hauled out with it was a Barbary sheep. I took out that that pretty much that whole Barbary sheep on it, and I was money. Heck yeah! All yeah. right, bro. Well, before we wrap up, what I'm going to let you close us out. Um, you know, if you have a message for you know hunters, period, or the youth hunters, how, however you want to close this episode out, man. It's all it's all Diego Otero right now, brother. So we're talking about people that support me a lot too and it's not it's not only guy we have i have i have a lot of people that stand behind me actually now so i of course dennis and joe over there guy guy and them hooked me up with the pack i ran that pack for it's three seasons now just like we said and that pack is absolutely money i've packed out elk orcs barbary deer uh, i think that's and a few other things probably and that stuff was money and then I have Velvet Antler Technologies, Daryl and AJ, and their products are absolutely amazing. I've used pretty much every single one of them. Uh, I use Hide-A-Lock on every single animal animal I harvest. And another cool thing with them is I, my uncle and one of his buddies actually ended up killing a velvet buck this season. And I thought I had some Velvet Lock with me. And I ended up not actually having it. I had already given it away to somebody else that had <laughs> shot a velvet buck. So my uncle was like, Diego, we need some. So I called, 
I called Daryl on his phone and I told him, Hey, Daryl, can you get me some, some, uh, velvet lock down here? And he next day aired it. I had it the next day, sprayed that velvet buck. And that was awesome. Uh, Ridge belts, Ridge belts has been, been there since IA that, that belt is money, a perfect outdoor belt. Keep my pants up from falling down. So that's for sure a good thing. Um, I have last lights. They've been, they've been pretty awesome to me too. Nature's paint, Carly Evans and Serena Thompson. Those they've been perfect. I've, I've used a nature's paint for baseball and football. I've lost. So that works pretty good too. Bull hitch, Armando and Doug. I know, I know, you know, them, guy, they're, they're, they're two local firefighters from New Mexico and that have an amazing product. So they're pretty awesome. We got first form outdoors too. Guy, I know guys, guy talks to them a lot and they, they've, they've helped me out a lot too. They've, I've had some good conversations with them. Uh, guy talks about Bam Bam. Bam Bam's been, he's been, he's been awesome. I guarantee you, if anybody was to go look at my phone, me and Bam Bam have almost as much Texas, me and Guy do of just hunt and stuff. And then another cool person I got to meet actually on Guy's hunt was Hunter. Hunter was, pretty awesome one of bam's friends to get to meet him he actually ended up killing a really nice bull too so yeah, he did. it was good to meet him and then i have one more that that's just awesome is crispy boots actually i got a package from them today they sent me a pair of boots so i'll get to run that on the deer hunt that me and my dad are leaving on tomorrow so Heck yeah. that that'll be fun those i got a bunch of awesome people that support me and that and that says a lot about you right because I, when we first met, I'm not, I don't waste my time. You know me, I don't waste my time and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna support or get behind something or someone that I don't believe in. Um, you've done it right since day one, dude. And, and I don't think you're going to stop. Um, I, I think you're an example for not just youth hunters, um, but for, you know, grown a men and women too. Um, I think they could learn a lot from you, brother. So I, I appreciate you, man. And, and you know, you know, I, I love our relationship. And, you know, some people go, you going hunting with a 13 year old? That's my dude, man. Like people don't <laughs> get it right. Like they got to hear it. They got to have the conversation. Yeah, um, I was you know. I was at school today and and one of my friends, he's like, who are you texting? I was like, I'm texting guy. He's he's one of my he's one of my oldest friends <laughs> probably like, the you oldest have a friend that's old i was like heck yeah i do that's my bestie yeah man heck yeah but nah brother i'll uh i look forward to hearing uh about this deer hunt you guys go knock them down and then uh let me see when do, when do we have something planned i think we'll probably see each other at one of the shoots i know uh between math and then the western hunt fest guys we're talking about new mexico so um, oh yeah, I'll be, be down there I'll sure. be, I'll be, I'll for sure be at the the hunt expo this year too. So. Oh, that's right, that's right. Be there. So, all right. Well, I'll hit you up. You hit me up. We'll drop this pretty quick here on Carbon, and then it'll drop probably a day or so later on uh, all the other platforms. But enjoyed the heck of our hunt, dude. Um, it was a blast. Next year we'll have to get you up here on the archery tag, um, so we can cry together when these bulls beat us up. So. <laughs> but yeah go go get ready for the hunt don't let those crispies burn a hole in you um you know first day on the mountain and you have you broke them in today did you wear them what's up e? i haven't i didn't even i didn't even okay. i i just got them in uh i just got them in today my dad's like look what's in the back seat 
and I opened, I looked at the box, and it said crispy boots, and I was like, no way, because uh, I was actually talking to him, and I sent him an email, because I, I think, I was like, would you guys be interested in having a youth ambassador? And then they they started talking to me, and that was, that was, um, that was about it. And then they just came in the mail, so Heck that was pretty yeah. awesome. Good on you, crispy. Couldn't couldn't have picked a better ambassador, in my opinion. Uh, I would suggest you put them suckers on, and the rest of the evening, as you're feeding and doing everything else, <laughs> get oh, yeah, a, at I least will. a minute to break in. Check him out. Look, uh, I went and picked them up after our hunt. <laughs> Dang, that's it. Suckers getting. Look, big. Daddy's trying to talk to Mike. Oh yeah, look at that boy. Yeah, that's He's awesome. Getting big so. man. Freaking farted in my face right now. All right. <laughs> good luck on the hunt, man. Stay safe. And then I'll talk to you guys when you get back. Sounds yeah. good, guy. You have a good night. You too, brother. Later, E. Later. Take care. Adios.